Hey, I get to kick off this new series, the summer series, Messages from Your Elders. And um, John really came and said, hey, let's have some fun. Uh, we had a, if you guys remember the summer stories we did last summer, those were great, right? You got to hear from people that you never get to hear from, their struggles, uh, what they're going through, them coming out of that and praising Jesus through it. And he came to us and said, we want to do something like that, something similar. I want to give you guys all the opportunity to do kind of what you want, whatever God lays on your heart. And uh, we're going to go through a few weeks of that. It's going to be really good. And I jumped at the chance to, uh, to start it off. And I was praying about it. And I thought, you know what? You guys hear from me all the time. I run my mouth too much. And uh, we want to hear from other people. So as a treat, on Father's Day, we're going to hear from th- three of the leaders in this church, elders, leaders with your kids, right? These are fathers that love Jesus, that are doing things right, that are trying. And we're just going to talk to them. Is that okay? Is that cool? So welcome to the stage. Come on, guys. Dennis, AJ, and Carlton. Give them a hand. I'll come get my chair. That's cool. Yes, those mics. Grab those mics. <laughs> that doesn't come out like that. Uh, you're not in the middle. Come on. Perfect. I'm so organized. This is fun. Uh, and in tradition of Father's Day, this is going to be fatherly themed. And um, really, I've been talking to these guys all week to really narrow down what we're going to talk about. And the things that I've learned, it, it's funny, is that I... I think I know these guys really well. You know, these are my friends. This is who we hang out with. And um, I learned things that I, I never knew before, and I think it's important because of who they are now. It's important to know where they came from and how they got through that. So we're just going to spend the next little bit of time just learning about them. And uh, Dennis, you're going to go first. So what we talked about, tell me where you came from. Okay. So I... um. I was one of the examples that was talked about earlier that did not grow up with a father uh, in his life. Um, basically, uh, when I learned at an early age that uh, my father really didn't want a relationship with me, and I was uh, raised by my grandparents. Uh, I say grandparents, really, probably more so my grandmother, So, um, because I would say my grandfather was probably not the best fatherly influence either because he was absent a lot and... Um, you know, just from my perspective as a kid and growing up and, you know, again, just things that I saw, um, I felt like one of the things, he and my grandmother really didn't get along very well. They were the kind that stayed together uh, because they believed that you need to stay together, but they lived in separate rooms. They kind of avoided each other for the most part. Um, it, it was not the greatest relationship between a husband and wife that I saw too, but but my grandmother, to me, was was a godly example of someone who loved the Lord and wanted to follow the Lord, and I think she kind of instilled that in me at a young age, really the desire to understand who God was. Um, though I rebelled against that uh, in my teen years, um, I kind of came back to that when I was 19 and kind of rededicated my life to follow Christ, and and it was at that point, too, that I would say that, that uh, God kind of impressed upon me that I needed to forgive my my father for abandoning me and not being a part of my life. And I remember my first thought whenever God revealed that to me was, you know, why he's not even a part of my life? You know, why do I need to forgive him? And, um, and basically just God helped me to understand that, 
if I couldn't forgive my earthly father, then it would impact my relationship with my heavenly father. And that was the point where I really kind of decided that I wanted to be more like my heavenly father than any earthly father that I saw, any model that I saw. And uh, so that was just kind of the commitment that he instilled in my heart at that point. Was your father your was which side of the family was your grand were your grandparents on? They were on my mother's side. Okay. So um so yeah, they were a part of my life all the way through. Um but uh I did have a relationship with my father's mother and I went to see her a little bit growing up through the years, but he was rarely there. Um I, honestly I probably saw him less than you know, I always think like less than ten times my whole life that I saw my father face to face. One of the last few times I saw him was right before I got married and invited him to the wedding and he said he would come and, and of course he didn't come so you know that is just one of those things where he just didn't really pursue a relationship so but yeah I, my it was my mother's mother and father that were the ones that I lived with growing up so as you can tell this is I'm learning things just like you uh, your father's your grandfather and your father's side what was what was that relationship between the two of them, between your grandfather and your father, his father? Um, you know, I really don't know. That's that's because I didn't really ever see them interact um, because I wasn't around when that happened. So I don't I don't know. Um, I, I just know that he, you know, honestly, he never married my mom. So I think that he, it was one of those situations where he was not committed to her and just didn't want the responsibility, I think, of, of being a dad. That's at least my take or my interpretation of that. And that's something that we, we see repeated in culture uh, today a lot, um, responsibility-wise. And, you know, there's a lot of, we think a lot about generationally things passing down, right, which is why I asked about your grandfather on your father's side, if that was something that, an example that he had that he took with him. But really, it, you know, because we, we see that pass through a lot. Um, how did you get out of that? Like, what led you to to your relationship with Jesus? Well, ultimately, you know, like I said, when I was 19, I rededicated my life. I based it, I understood at that point that it was about a relationship. It wasn't about what other people did or didn't do. And so at that point, I just really wanted to grow as close to God as possible. And I, like I said, God revealed to me that that was a hindrance, that if I couldn't forgive my earthly father for what he had done, then I would not have a good relationship with my heavenly father. And so I chose at that point to forgive. Um, again, I, I tried to glean some insights from that, um, definitely took some insights from Scripture, from uh, one of the passages that I've often quoted in regards to that relationship is like Genesis fifty twenty, where Joseph tells his brothers that, you know, I'm not in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God used it for good to bring about the present result. And, and I look at my upbringing and how I grew up, that God used, brought good even in the midst of the situation that I grew up in because um, if I, not for my, I believe if not for my grandmother's godly influence, I would not have, uh, you know, pursued what I've pursued today to be, you know, try to be a godly man, try to um, seek after the Lord and honor him and, you know, really surrender my life to him. I don't think I would have done that without her influence. And I think, I don't know that if I was raised by my dad or if I was raised by my mom even, that I would have turned out the way that I did because I think those in, there there's too much of the world in the influences of what they did that I, I feel like I would have probably gone a different direction. That's just what I think. And, and so I look at that as I'm very thankful for my grandmother modeling to me Christ and the sacrifice and, and surrendering. That was huge. And commitment, you know, not to give up and, and to persevere even in the midst of all that. So that was, she was a great model. And then also kind of 
really gave me the determination to be the opposite of what I had growing up as a dad. Um, you know, that's probably one of my biggest, um, just biggest commitments in life is to not let my kids go through what I went through. And so I've really just grabbed onto that and wanted to be there for them no matter what. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. And uh, that's what we're celebrating and and trying to be more like that model, uh, and especially on Father's Day and in this church as our role as uh, as leaders and really as fathers as all the children here. Like we, you know, these guys are my plug for children's ministry. We need more men like this down there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I knew Jess was going to probably come up and say that. <laughs> Right, we we need more of that, um, and these are prime examples of what try. We're not all perfect, right? But we try, we continue to try. Uh, so, going through that, it amazes me because I, listen, I I grew up. There was no other way, right? This is the way. I grew up in the church. I was a like I was born a Christian. I say that all the time. I didn't have another choice. You know what I mean? I, mean, I, I don't want another one, but that was, it's amazing that these guys have all gone through what they have gone through and with, without having the, what I would call your typical uh, parent Christian role in church and in family, and come out like they have. Strong fathers, strong Christians, men of the church. And I'm curious as to, you know, a little bit more about how you raise your children from the kind of setup that you have. You've adopted kids. They're now part of your family, so you've gone a step further. Yeah. Talk about what um, you guys together, what your role looks like as a father and how you try to handle that role. Well, I, I think the biggest thing for me is obviously I didn't have a model to follow, so the, the biggest thing I tried to model my life after is what I've read and understood and gleaned from what God says as far as what a dad should be. And, and, and I would say, too, I, I feel like I have a good wife who's helped me along the ways just to be what I need to be in some regards. Because I think, generally speaking, just based on my background and growing up, you know, I've learned to not really get close in relationships too much. I've always been that way. You know, I'm kind of the more of a lone wolf kind of person because of how I have had to do things. But um, one of the biggest things I think that, that uh, Laura has really taught me is that the kids need to know they're loved. And so, you know, I really strive hard um, daily to try to tell them at least at some point, look, I love you, uh, you know, I'm for you. Um, though, I, yeah, I know I yelled at you earlier, but I love you. <laughs> I, want, I want the good for you. I want right for you, um, you know, whatever it may be. But just to, to be honest, you know, I try to show them that every day. I try to, um, again, you know, not live for me, but try to do things for them and, honor, you know, show them that, you know, we, we can do things as a family. I, I don't know. I'm not great at it. I'm, I'm sure there's still times when I can be selfish, but that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned through the years is as a dad, you really can't be selfish. If you are selfish, then then you lose you lose that relationship and that ability to really speak into your children's lives. Um, and again, not that I'm perfect in that because I'm not. I, I really feel like that's still a struggle. And so, you know, that's one thing I try to work on. But uh, again, that commitment, that love, uh, you know, knowing that uh, again, leading them to the Lord and showing them his way and trying to teach them to honor God and in every relationship, which can be challenging, especially with teenagers, um, because they think they're smarter than you. So, uh, you know, but, but, but anyway, we, uh, we try to do that and just, I guess the big thing is just constantly point them to God, who is the perfect example of what a father should be. So. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I'm curious, what led you guys to adopt? So uh, we shared that probably last summer with our summer story a little bit. But, um, you know, we, um, we had 
consider. I think we had always talked about it at some point, but but uh, you know we had struggle uh, a struggle after we had our first child um, with infertility and a couple of miscarriages and. And Laura just really felt like uh, we needed to adopt. She wanted to continue our family, and she's like, let's do this. And so we prayed about it together, and I said, well, let, yeah, let's do it. And so we agreed to adopt, and that's when um, we basically were set up with a lady. We started the process in October, and we've probably, y'all have heard this story before, but you don't hear this with with adoption. Usually it takes years before that happens, but we started in October, and in January we knew we were getting a set of twins. And so it was just kind of a really quick turnaround in terms of us being chosen and, and picked for adoption there. And and then that same week was when Laura found out she was pregnant. And so we had three in one year. So, so yeah, that's kind of where, where all of that, that went. And uh, yeah, I remember Laura's biggest thing whenever that happened, she's like, I don't want to be a statistic um, because that was exactly how she felt. You know, well, everybody says when you, you know, this is what happens, but right. Right. But, um, but yeah, we, we did that, and, and then we thought we were done, and then a few years later, I don't know, God laid it again on Laura's heart first. He usually leads her first, and then she helps bring me around uh, to, um, to do foster care. And, uh, and, and at first, I'm like, but I suggested that when we adopted the twins, foster care, and you did not want to do that. And she helped me understand that her mind, her heart had changed in that and that she was more open to it. And so we agreed to foster and we actually were able to help one little girl get reunited with her mom and, and be a part of her life. And then the, the second child that was placed in our care as a foster child, uh, it was quickly uh, evident that she was not going to be able to be re- reconciled to her family. So we, of course, adopted her. She came home with us. She never went anywhere else. And that's all she's known. So. I don't know. It's just a great to me too. Adoption is a great example of what how we come into the family of Christ. None of us are born into it. We are adopted by God's grace. Um, so I think that's just a huge thing for us. That yeah, represents. fantastic. And um, last thing with with Dennis is that all these guys have something different that they do outside of here, right? They're all they all have jobs and they're all very unique in those in those expertise. And you're a counselor. And uh, on Father's Day, as this narrative is going that way, I, I asked you before, with your counseling, what do you see in fathers that's lacking or, or needs work? Or what, what do you see the most that is the most troubling, that the most, it takes the most work for you as a counselor? Um, I would say it's the same thing, me personally, you know, about being selfish. Um, I, it's not that fathers are selfish, but I think it's the spiritual leadership in the home. I see that a lot with marriages that I do counsel where a husband either doesn't know how to be the spiritual leader that he should be or um, sometimes the wife, due to either some issues she's had in life, sometimes her insecurities, she doesn't let him be the leader. Um, and, and I've seen that too. You know, Not that it's all her fault. I mean, sometimes I think as men, and I definitely know that I could easily tend to this, just to let them take over and be in charge if they're wanting to be, you know. And so so I think part of it comes, and when I say in charge, I don't mean this, understand, I'm not saying that, this, that it all stops with the man kind of thing, but but I feel like that's one of the biggest deficits that I see in marriages and in fathers is just not, not, not doing what they need to do for themselves spiritually to then lead their family in a way that's spiritually. And, and I think a lot of times it is, part of it is not knowing where to start, not knowing how to do it, not knowing... Um, what to do, and so a lot of times uh, I wind up counseling them how to become that dad that they need to be or that spiritual leader they need to be. Um, and then also, uh, like I said, you know, it, it does work with the wife as well, allowing them to lead. 
um, and, and then working together and figuring out what that looks like. But, but yeah, I think that's a big thing is just being the spiritual leader. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate that. Good job. Thanks. There you go. And uh, next we have AJ. And listen, I, uh, I talked to AJ a little bit about this. In conversation, he, he, was, he was having questions. He was like, you know what? I don't really know. And the good thing was he was going to talk to his dad because he was going to spend time with him for Father's Day before he came here, and I don't really know what happened. So, AJ, what, what's going on, man? Like, what, what happened? Tell me. So, there you go. It's on there. So, uh, yeah, so first off, thank you for inviting me up here. Um, <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's that better? Good. All right. So first off, thanks for inviting me up here. Give me a chance to tell a little bit about my, myself. People haven't gotten a chance to meet me. I'm always running around behind the scenes here. Uh, I do a lot of setup and teardown here, but my name is AJ, if y'all haven't met me before. Um, so growing up, uh, I had a great example of a father and a mother in a home. Um, they both loved me tremendously, uh, me and my brother and my sister. Uh, very evident, uh, they always put us first. Uh, for example, my dad literally worked three, day, three jobs a day he delivered newspapers in the morning, worked full-time, and then he was always in the evening working, doing something else to make sure that us kids never went without, um, we never went without possessions or without love because it doesn't matter what was going on for the day. He always made sure to pop in, even if it was we were in bed. <clears throat> Sorry. He would always pop in, let us know that he loved us. And same with my mom. Um, with him working all the time, she really didn't have the opportunity to be out of the house because it was going to cost more. So she kept kids as daycare inside the house, which made me just fall in love with kids, which I work in the kids' ministry here. I love being around kids, love helping them uh, and seeing them grow. So, uh, But, yeah, so Dad absolutely loved me, uh, no doubt about it. He coached my youth sports. He was always there for us. No matter what he had going on, if we had a game or something going on, I could always look up. If he wasn't coaching, I knew that he was going to be in the crowd. Uh, he was there. My mom was there. Uh, never a question in my growing up, whether they love me or not. So um, continues to this day. Um, I mean, he was a great example in the household for me and my brother to show us what men in the household are supposed to do, um, you know, taking care of your family, being there for your family, not just coming in from work and sitting down and expecting everybody else to do the stuff for you. Uh, I, you know, we split all the chores in our household, 50-50, laundry, cleaning, uh, cooking, we do it all. Me and my brother are the same way, and it came from watching my father do that because he did a lot and split a lot of it for us in the household. Um, never went to church growing up. I wasn't raised in church. I went to vacation Bible school uh, every summer with some friends. That was about it, which led me to the conversation that me and Jeremy had of, you know, why or, or what. So I had a conversation with him this weekend about it, and, you know, my mom... She grew up in a Catholic household. She went to a Catholic school. Uh, my grandparents on my mom's side to the day they died went to Mass. Every single, every single day that they could, they went to Mass. So it was very religious in that, in that household. Uh, my dad found out that at the age of 14 he was baptized. He was an active member in his Baptist church up in New York. Um, when we got older... Um, like I said, me, my brother, and my sister, we were playing sports all the time. It just was something that was never made a priority. Um, but when I got older into my early 20s, 
I met some friends who were active in church, and then I got into church, and then I got baptized, and basically from there, uh, it's where I am now. It's kind of helped me get to be the, the father that I want to be today. Uh, like I said, I had a great, um, a great foundation made from my father, who, like I said, to this day continues to be a great example for me. Um, loving his family, loving his wife, and just being there for his kids and now all of his grandkids. So it's just, it's amazing to see that and continue. I just continue to model myself after that. Um, and also I have an amazing father-in-law who does the same for his family. So I just like to, like I said, watching and seeing how they handle their families and interact with their families is the way that I want to. And at some point you met Jesus. I did. Like I said, my, so my early 20s, so I started going to church. So I had, I had a really rough experience when I was a kid, uh, which really turned me away from a vacation Bible school incident that happened. Um, so I like, basically stopped, didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, living in Lynchburg is, is tough because you got liberty. Everything is liberty up there. So, so it was kind of tough. But uh, so when I moved to North Carolina, I got hooked up with some friends. Um, like I said, they went to church. I started going. Um, I got baptized. Uh, then there were some, just some things that were going on that I just kind of stepped away from the church again when I got out on my own. Um, I had a failed marriage, so that nothing really helped. But then I had met Marie, and she introduced me to a small group. I had never been back in church until small then. Small group plug. There you go. So, yeah. So I started going back to church through a group before I actually started going to church again. And I was like, hey, like, this is the first time I met people who were absolutely normal, like me. Except like, hey, you want to golf? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, it was just, I don't want to say golf as an example, but it was just, they did normal things that, you know, people on the outside look, and then you're like, whoa, you did what? So, but no, it was great. Uh, I, st- I started going to small group, uh, got plugged in, got started serving in church, and uh, the rest is history. I'm here now. So it's just... Yeah, so I'm going to brag on AJ just a little bit because he won't brag on himself. Um, I knew AJ for a long time before I even realized that, like, your family is the way that, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, he's he's a dad to everybody the same. Yep. And we talked about that a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're not saying it. So tell me how, you, like, tell me what your view is on your family model. And so, how you handle that. So, yeah, so I met Marie, and then meeting Marie, I had the awesome opportunity to meet McKaylin. And so Marie and I got married. I became uh, a father to McKaylin as well to help her. And then we got pregnant with Hunter. And um, I started experiencing, I started seeing things a little differently because when I first, so, so when I first, came to Christ and met Jesus and started learning more about him, Jesus' love. It's like, yeah, you kind of just come, you sit on Sundays, you learn about it. You're like, oh, okay. Well, it was at that point, it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, whoa, like I was starting to experience like Jesus' love for everybody, like how to live it, show it, and just feel it. Like, so I had the awesome opportunity so to have all my kids like and loving them the same is really a cool experience to see them grow. Um, like I said, I've known them all for 11 and 13 years, respectively. 
And I can tell you right now that I don't love either one of them any more than the other one. And then about four or five years ago, we had the opportunity to bring in uh, one of Marie's students some, for some unforeseen circumstances. And she gave me the opportunity to be there for her and show up for her. So it was kind of like I just saw the, the, uh, the love just kind of, it's just there. It's just you love unconditionally and you show up for people. And I think that's what it really is all about is just showing people that you're there, caring for them, loving them, showing them that they're loved, and just uh, being there. Thanks, AJ. I appreciate you, man. And by the way, he's the same. He, em- he employs a couple of us part-time, <laughs> right? Him and Jeff. And um, when you work for him, he's working with you. You know what I'm saying? He wants the same for everybody that he wants for himself, as that's for everyone to succeed. And he shows that love to everyone. And I, all of his guys are there for, like, they want to work for him because he treats them all the same as he would want to be treated. And uh, I can brag on him a little bit for that. I really appreciate it as well. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, there you go. Um, Carlton, my man. All right, I'm going to switch mics. Yeah, switch it up. All right, all right. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go, buddy. All right, so I'm uh, Carlton Jackson, uh, husband of Lori, uh, father, dad to Christian. That was the mop-top kid up here. Jumping. I know. All our hands are the same. Um, I'm, of course, uh, born uh, in Texas, but really, in a sense, raised in, in Salisbury. Um, I, I'm Carlton III, so you need to know that since it's Father's Day. Um, and there is a Carlton IV. Um, he is, how old is CJ? He'll be 23 soon. Uh, but in talking about my, my upbringing, um, growing up here in Salisbury, growing up on the other side, what we call the West Side. Um, I had a strong dad and a strong mom. Um, and I, I'm going to go ahead and give a disclaimer right quick. If I start crying. Um, Let it go. Yeah. Let it go. I just, uh, I get filled with the spirit sometimes. So uh, it comes out of me. Dennis, you started it because you almost leaked. Um, but I always tell folks <laughs> that if, uh, if you ever met my dad and you were to say Superman wasn't real, it'd be a lie. <laughs> that's, that's how I look at my father. Um, and my mom's a strong woman, too. She'd be Wonder Woman in this sense. Um, but growing up, um, my dad worked all the time. Um, he still works all the time, and I get that. Um, my wife's mad at me sometimes because my work ethic is, uh, I guess, 200%. I don't know when to stop, um, but it's called dedication, and it's just how I was brought up. Um, but, you know, in terms of a, a family uh, situation, uh, there were five of us. We were called the Jackson Five growing up, um, and my dad always worked. Um, he was in the National Guard, so he spent most of his time um, you know, at Duke Energy, he would get off, and then he would do art. Um, he's a very multi-talented guy. He, he is a, a musician. Um, he can do congos, bongos, percussion. Uh, he dabbled in all type of music. He is an esteemed artist, um, could paint, draw anything. He is just this, uh, this great man. But the, most, the thing I love about my dad the most um, is that he always loved me. Even when he wasn't there, 
I had this foundation that I knew when I came home, you know, I'm going to eat. My brothers and sisters are going to be taken care of. He's going to protect us. Um, he, he's always a nurturer. Um, he joked a lot. That gets me in trouble now because I have a very, I joke all the time. And it's dad jokes and it's all kind of stuff and I get in trouble. But I always blame dad. Don't I always say it's dad's fault. I learned it from him. Um, but, I, and, and, you know, just the, the church side of it is that I didn't grow up kind of like A.J., I went to vocational, um, like Bible school in the summer. Uh, my mom's side of the family was heavy into uh, to church. Uh, my grandmother, which was on my dad's side, uh, she was Catholic because she's Puerto Rican, and so and my dad, my grandfather was from New York, and so my dad didn't necessarily go to church, um, and we were not raised in church. But my dad believed in God. It was out there in the front. Now my mom at a point believed in God until a certain situation occurred when she was 15. Um, my mom and dad married at 15, um, and they've been married. They're still married today, um, 15 years old, and they're both 64, 65. Um, so a lifetime of love there. Um, but So I wasn't raised in the church, but, again, I had the presence of, and the spirit of the Lord around me because my dad, in any trials, tribulations, things going on, he always prayed. He always made us say grace. Um, and, and anytime I saw something heavy going on, um, whether he was stressed, uh, significantly when my grandmother died when I was 14, I'd never seen him so distraught. And I told Jeremy this the other day, I questioned God at age 14, you know, if God is so grand, if he's so great, how could he take my grandmother and my father and my uncle and my aunt and my granddad and everybody just feel the way they feel? You know, and I went to my dad and we kind of had a family gathering. And this is my first aha moment when it comes to God. And I asked and of all people, I didn't expect him to, to say it. He said, you can't blame God, be mad at God. God is there. He said, my grandmother was in a better place. And I truly at 14 didn't understand that. And I saw this, this strength in him. You know, and I was like, wow. That's amazing. So from that point, knowing that my mother was not a, uh, a Christian, my dad, again, he never said, I'm a Christian. But again, I knew what it meant to pray and to understand and to love God. Um, I took that. And again, we didn't go to church, didn't practice it. Um, but in every moment from that point forward, I told Jeremy and I, my wife and I tell folks, I always felt something. I always felt a presence around me. Um, and again, that foundational piece when my father wasn't around, uh, no matter what was going on, stress. And again, I've been through some trials and tribulations, a lot of them my fault. <laughs> um, uh, seriously, a lot of them my fault. Um, I had a lot of growing up to do um, and um, just making poor decisions and then married early, divorced, um, and then being able to marry again and to build a beautiful family and uh, so I'm very thankful for that but I will say foundationally my first experience with God would be my dad and that's what kept me kept me in any moment grounded um, and so that was just kind of a short summary I could talk all day about my dad and my upbringing <laughs> and you kind of you told me you, you found Jesus together in Carolina Family Church mm -hmm. And uh, you, so tell me, when you're raising Christian together, from what you came through, 
to seeing two strong people together raising a kid. There's a difference there, right? Yep. Huge. Tell me about that a little bit. So, again, my mom and dad, both wonderful people, um, and them raising me, again, there's always that missing element, um, and I feel like we found that element with Carolina family. I, I know for me personally, I probably wouldn't have made some of the decisions and some of the mistakes I've made if I had an earlier foundation. And, again, that's not a point to finger or blame a parent. They did the absolute best they could, and they are, are, are wonderful folks. But the difference I see is that foundationally, for Lori and I, like when I first, when we first start coming here, Lori and I were going through some troubles. We were. We were going through some troubles. Um, and I was even debating whether or not I wanted to continue attending here. And I kind of felt like, hey, you know what? She's found a church family. She's found some folks that are going to take care of her. I don't know what's going to happen between her and I, but I don't even know if I'm going to continue going. And then I heard this man, <laughs> my friend, <laughs> Jeremy, and he preached. And, I mean, it jumped on me hard, you know? Like, I, don't, I think I cried all day that day. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll try not to do that now. Um, but I just felt so overwhelmed with hearing you speak about your dad and your faith. And I said, you know what? I want that. <laughs> I want that. And so I began to, to, to practice and to read. And I'm still growing as a Christian. I put myself into the church. I wanted to try more. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be around the folks and, and just really soak it up and really intently become a better person. And then John said something significant. He said it starts with the father and how he leads spiritually within his home is how he's going to guide his family. And I took that to heart. And then watching you and watching everyone, and especially not that you the lead pastor, and that's the whole focus, but seeing you as a dad and as a man and as a leader. And I said, wow. And I told John this one time, you reminded me of my dad. <laughs> you know, so those are the things that captured me. And I think it's extremely important for all of us to know how powerful that is. And for me and for and Lori, I've seen our relationship, like, it's unstoppable. <laughs> like, seriously, <laughs> there's nothing that can get in the way of that. And it's all because of God. And I feel like my son, seeing him wanting to be baptized, you know, to give his life to the Lord, and just how special and how strong he is. I apologize. I told Jess and a lot of folks a long time ago, like, when I cried, it's because I'm overwhelmed with love. The song we sang at the beginning, you know, it's like a whale running over. That's how my heart feels. So these are good tears. Don't, don't, don't think they, they're bad tears or good tears. But that's kind of how I feel, just that strength and that foundation. And it kind of leads back to knowing that, you know, my dad is always there, no matter what. And that's how I feel about God. Always there, no matter what. Thanks, buddy. And I really appreciate these guys coming up here and sharing their stories with you because you need to know who they are and what they believe. And, uh, and we can all learn from that. And 
you know, we have we have an opportunity here at Carolina Family Church that not every church gets because they don't do stuff like this, and we do. Uh, Jess says all the time since day one, every time that we get a little frustrated or we get a little bit in the weeds or things feel like they're coming up on our shoulders, she says, we get to do this. We get to. God gives us the opportunity to do it. And that's what he's doing with Carolina Family Center. And I didn't even know where this was going to go. And Amy said, hey, you know, you could lead into this. You could talk about this because we have an opportunity. And just like Dennis said, and Carlton is with kids all day long, and he sees what a family looks like that doesn't have hope, that doesn't have Jesus. We see what fathers look like who don't have that spiritual role model, who aren't spiritual leaders. We see what struggles they have. And there are kids all over this community who don't have fathers, who don't have hope of Jesus Christ. I cannot imagine that. When my life fell apart, when I lost my dad, I still had a heavenly father to handle it. And I knew that. And there are people all over this world and in our community right in front of our face who have no idea, who have never heard that. And we as a church have an opportunity to handle some of that. And this is what I mean by that. Uh, Amy dropped a, a motto on me that I'd never heard, and it put me back, man. Families build families. Carolina Family Church builds the Carolina Family Center. We need it because we get to do it. The center needs our help. So I'm going to challenge you. Get yourself right. If you're not the spiritual leader that you need to be, let's fix that first, men. Because the center is going to give us the ability to mentor people. There'll be classes. There'll be coaching. We're going to get connected to the community through the Carolina Family Center. And there are going to be fathers who come in there who need our help who need spiritual guidance, who have never had it, who have never heard it, or maybe they've heard it delivered in the wrong way. And they need somebody who loves them, generally hold their hand out and say, let me help you. And there are kids in turn that need to see that example and need to know that there is a heavenly father. There is something else. There's someone who wants to help them. We are adopted children of God, and he wants everybody to be adopted, and he's just waiting on us to tell them about it. So that's my challenge to you. There's going to be a survey in a couple weeks outside that you can take that will lead you to some of that stuff, to the coaching, to the classes. Um, It will maybe ask your opinion, but you might need a class. We're going to offer that. You might need coaching. We're going to offer that. You might be able to coach in ways that you never thought you could as a spiritual 
fatherly example to someone. There's going to be a father-son cookout where you have the opportunity to bring other fathers and sons who maybe don't come to this church, maybe don't go to church. We're going to do some things because we are here to help this community and to help families and to build them. And if we really believe, know God, find hope, live free, do good, we really believe that. If you really believe that, let's step up with the opportunities that God has given us that we get to do. And let's do that. Let's build this community. And I'm going to put him on the spot. I'm going to ask Dennis to pray for us in a minute because he is the he is the prayer man. Listen. If Dennis is beside me, I'm not praying. Okay? He's praying. But while he's praying, and then Jess is going to pop back up here to close this out, I just want to lay that on your heart. I want to challenge you. Pray about that. Think about that. Talk to God about it. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into these roles. We need you. You need it. And we get to do it. Okay? Let's pray. God, we do thank you so much that you are an awesome father to us, that you are the perfect example of what a father should be. And even as we're talking about this today, I know there's many people in the room reflecting on their own lives and maybe their own situations where maybe there's not a father involved. Or uh, I think of single moms who have to take on the role of both father and mother. And, and Lord, I know that's a huge challenge, and I knew, and, and it's and it's tough all the way around for all of us. So I just pray for for those today that they would just be reminded too, Lord, that you are the ultimate example of a father to be pointing to and be looking to, and um, even whenever other people have to stand in as fathers and be mentors and be coaches, um, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female in that regard. I know that you use us all in various ways, and I thank you for that. And Pray, Lord, that we can just take encouragement from today, that we can be reminded that no matter what situation we've grown up in or we've been around, Lord, that there's always redemption. There's always something on the other side that we can seek and we can pursue in order to become more like Christ so that we can be the best example that we can be. And I just pray again for everyone here today that uh, that we, they can just take something from this and use it in their own life, uh, that they can be encouraged uh, again just to be committed to you first and foremost and that you, Lord, would just lead us in such a way that we can truly honor you and, and just bring glory to you no matter what. And, Lord, just pray that even the things that were said here today, the things that were shared, Lord, can be um, motivations, Lord, just to be different, to not be like the world around us, to not conform to the patterns that we see, Lord, that are so devastating and so hurtful, but that we can choose, Lord, to be more like you in every every aspect of our lives. Again, we thank you for everyone here, and uh, as we go out today, Lord, we ask that you would be, uh, we can just take great hope and confidence in the future, looking to you and seeking you for our leadership and our guidance so that we can be more like Christ. We do pray for our family center, that you would just continue to help all the plans come together for that, and that that would truly be God-honoring and be a witness and a testimony of your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love to this community. We love you, Lord, and thank you again for this opportunity and this day. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, a lot of you know my story, and some of you don't, but I had a really great dad until I didn't. 
um, it was really overnight um, that I lost my dad. And um, it was the men of my church that stepped in and filled every single role. Um, They just didn't skip a beat. They started attending the events, and they taught my Sunday school class. And I I went to a really small church. I was the only one in my age group. (laughs) So it was just me and the guys of the church. (laughs) Three of them taught it together. And that got a little bit weird when I became a teenager, but, you know, because I had questions. But anyway, anyway, it was always, always my goal when I had kids to make sure that there, it wasn't just John and I surrounding them, but that they had an entire army surrounding them. And so if you are a parent in this church, I want you to know these are three, four of those guys. I can't count them as a language arts teacher. Four. <laughs> these are four of those men. And then all of you, like, I'm just so grateful for the men of this church. And to know, I don't expect John to go anywhere, but I know that all, every single man of this church is either wanting or ready. And so if that's you, if you're like, I'm wanting, I'm not there yet, there's no way I would be invited to sit up there and talk about it. If you're wanting, we have steps to help. You can invest in yourself and in turn, invest in your entire family and your entire community. And if you're ready, we have steps, we have other people that you need to guide and mentor and bring along. And so I'm so excited to see where that journey takes. But as each of these men shared, it's a choice. It's a choice. And so I look forward to seeing the choices that you make. Um, We do have a small gift for everyone in honor of Father's Day. We have... This is going to be crazy. We have ice cream sandwiches for everyone. (laughs) And now, because I know everyone's like, but we're about to walk to our cars and you're feeding children ice cream sandwiches. We also have bags of wipes for everyone. Yay. So dads, don't worry about your cars. We got you. You can clean up the whole mess because we're going to give you bags of wipes. So those will be in the lobby as you exit. So make sure you grab them because there is no way we want to eat 200 ice cream sandwiches. And in honor of my favorite, father, John Allen. I'm going to share with you his ridiculous dad joke that he tells every chance that he could possibly get. I have heard it four million times in my entire life, and you are going to honor him and laugh your hearts out because he thinks it's the funniest joke in the world. (sighs) This is John Allen's, I dug it out of the bucket. I knew you'd put it in. I knew exactly what joke. Okay, here we go. Do you know why they put barcodes on the sides of all Swedish military ships? So they can Scandinavian. All right, give another huge thanks to our guys on stage. As you walk out, make sure you grab your ice cream sandwiches. If you need anything this week, let me know.